0: Every
1: once in a while here at West we invite lay members of the congregation to share their thoughts, their personal reflections on a particular topic. This Father's Day, I thought I would turn to some West members who have a little more personal experience of being a father than I do, and I am so pleased to welcome Marty Kaufman and Tony Nam to the platform this morning. As you listen to their experiences, each of them deeply personal and individual, particular, I invite you to consider a few questions. What of their sense of fatherhood resonates for you in your own fathering or as the child of a father? How is their sense of fatherhood separate from parenthood, or is it? How has being a father changed or influenced their sense of being a person? So I invite you to hold those questions in your mind and in your heart as we hear from Marty and Tony.
2: Good morning. In the interest of breaking new ground, I believe these words have never been uttered anywhere before. I'd like to open with the wisdom of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Children of the 80s unite. (laughs) It's from the movie Parenthood, which is pretty appropriate for today, and uh, I will have to trim a little bit at the end due to the nature of the language, but you need a license to have a dog, to drive a car, hell, you even need a license to catch a fish, but they'll let any blankety-blank-blank-blankin be a father, (laughs) and there is some truth to that, the Barriers to entry are not that great, but that does then. (laughs) That was completely unexpected. The lesson learned is to never throw in a Keanu Reeves quote that you didn't already have in your notes. But what that does mean is that it does require some thinking about what it means and... How is it going to work for you? And how do you be good at it? And so not too long ago, or a while back, I was reflecting on fatherhood and ended up creating a document that I wrote down called A Pledge to My Children. And in that pledge were eight promises. And I'm just going to read to you what those eight things were and a little bit of the commentary I had and then, and then talk about it for a moment. The thing is, though, once you write something like that down, it's too easy for it to become a scorecard. So my parenting score is coming up. Number 1, I will never strike you out of my own anger or frustration, etc. Striking a child or an adult for that matter out of anger or frustration is abuse. 2, I will be affectionate. 3, I will love unconditionally. 4, I will intervene by asking questions and providing answers. Directives and mandates will be as infrequent as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I ascribe to the live and learn theory. I feel that with the right information, you can make the right decisions. I agree to disagree. Your views do not have to mirror mine. I will be tolerant of any discrepant views, as I hope you will be of mine. Six, I will be honest about my emotions. I won't let my emotional life confuse you by sending mixed messages. The way I feel is always open as a topic of discussion for you. Seven, I will answer questions honestly. There are some exceptions, mainly focused around holiday seasons. I know this is dishonest, but it's a sacrifice I feel will assist you in socialization. (laughs) And number eight, I will be there. Simply enough, I will be there for you, whether it's helping with homework, watching you play soccer, please play soccer, or just spending... (laughs) I wrote the Or just spending time together, I will always be your biggest fan and supporter, but not an obnoxious Little League parent, and you will never have to say in your life, I wish my father were there. Not bad as aspirations, right? Pretty good. My children are three and six right now, but here's the thing. I wrote that almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I was odd. I, <laughs> I have no real idea still what, what drove me to do that. Um, I was single. I was unattached, but sort of felt compelled to put that out there. And, uh... So in preparing for today, I was thinking about fatherhood and the societal influences we have and all, how all the fathers out in the media are either morons or incompetent or totally dependent upon their wives, wives, and children to guide them through life. Um, and they're an impediment to other people and not a supporter of something greater. And that was getting pretty academic, which would have been comfortable. And then I remembered this uh, pledge to my children. and So I dusted it off. I knew it was out there. And now I have something I didn't have back then, and that's context. Context comes with the names Grayson and Aubrey. And it's an interesting case study, because if there really is this spectrum from Spocky and pure logic and intellect on one end to emotional savantism on the other, my kids can reach out with their greasy little paws and touch those walls. So parenting and fatherhood for me is not a single linear path. There's two very distinct beings intersecting with this. So for all you fathers out there, anyone who has, knows, loves a father, please feel free to play along the fatherhood scorecard. Number one, I will never strike you out of my own anger or frustration, we are off to a good start. I do not beat my children. (laughs) Then again, I've had moments where I'm angry or frustrated or possibly even fearful myself where I have been other than gentle. So on this count, I am not a saint. I am a father. (laughs) Number two, I will be affectionate. I'll give myself a pass on the pass-fail scale here, here. And this is harder than I probably would have appreciated. Picking them up and scooping them up and hugging them, and that's easy, and that happens, and I do that. But parenting is this evolving dynamic. And affection and love are not always like stuck together perfectly, like, say, Elmer's glue and orange construction paper on a laptop keyboard. <laughs> given to you by your employer for work purposes only. <laughs> so yes, I always want to reach out and hug my children, but that doesn't mean sometimes I don't fear just how tight that hug may be. <laughs> so I am not a teddy bear. I am a father. Number three is that I will love unconditionally. And this is an easy A+. plus. From the moment they were born, even before they were born, I knew that I loved these kids. And uh, sometimes I do catch myself, though, during an extreme tantrum that seems to be going on too long, saying things like, I can't be with you right now, so please, go to your room. Go away. And then there's that pause, and then the next wave of screaming starts. And in that moment, I'm not sure... If it was just the continuation of the tantrum or this little glimmer of realization that maybe daddy doesn't want me. And so it's all I can do in those moments to stay the course and do the right thing, which is tantrums don't get us what we want. But what I really want to do is just get down on one knee and make sure that they know that there is absolutely nothing I want more than to have them know that they are always loved. So I am not a flight risk, I am a father. Number four, I will intervene by asking questions and providing answers. Directives and mandates will be as infrequent as possible, as you probably have guessed. Fail, fail, (laughs) fail. How wonderfully, blissfully ignorant this was. I didn't know what it was like to try to reason with a three or a four year old. Sometimes intervention needs to be swift and absolute. There are mistakes you are not allowed to make under our roof just sitting back and watching what happens to the flowing hair of a $2.99 princess mermaid doll as she tries to dry her hair by the family candle, this is not a teachable moment. This is a directive to sit Ariel's half-naked ass back in the tub where she is happy... And the directive that the next time she, any doll feels like doing something like this, we can make a pretend fire out of orange construction paper and Elmer's glue. Or not. I am not just an observer, I am a father. Number five was that I agree to disagree, and the grade here is incomplete. Thanks to the West Sunday School, my kids believe everything I do, and it's great. Again, there are three and six. The arguments we're having are not big existential deals. It's not a challenge. They're not we're not going back and forth on core beliefs. We'll check back on this when our disagreements are more about lifestyles than hairstyles and things like that. I am not a finished product. I am a father. Number six is that I will be honest about my emotions. And I am completely honest about my emotions. Except when I'm upset and trying not to scream, or when it's right in the moment, or when it's everything I can do to not laugh so hard at you. When you are doing something that is completely socially inappropriate, but really, really funny. Because that happens. On the serious side, though, some of my best parenting moments are also being honest about my emotions and trying to explain what I was feeling when I did something that was bad or hurtful. And I'm finding that saying, I'm not mad at you, I'm actually mad about not being a good enough father when you needed me to be just now. And it's like jabbing at a fresh wound, both for me and the kid, but it also starts a healing process, which is kind of nice, even if they don't really understand what it is about hearing that that helps them unclench their fists or take the first breath without a tear in a while. So I'm not perfect. I am a father. Number seven, I will answer questions honestly. This is my favorite, by far, fathering challenge. Finding the most appropriate answer to a children a child's inappropriate questions. As I mentioned, two very different ends of this. And so within a five-minute span, you can go from having to answer Why is it that in Saudi Arabia, where it happens to be 102 in Riyadh today, which is the warmest it is anywhere in the Middle East, why is it in Saudi Arabia, um, do they hate America? Is it because we take away some of their freedoms? And another one asking, why is it that the birds won't come flying into the window when she sings, just like all the other singing princesses, because she wants the birds to dress her, too? (laughs) I love this stuff. It's challenging. It's unpredictable. And how could it not be a favorite? Because, but knowledge and innocence, they tend to move in opposite directions. And so this idea of answering all questions honestly, I'm in no rush to remove the wonder in the world. I'm not an encyclopedia. I'm a father. And number eight, I will be there. My score, my grade is a C plus. I'm hoping it's moving upward. I think the reason this one is in there from 20 years ago, this remains clear to me through my entire life, the biggest marker I have about my relationship with my father is that he was there. He was there. My mother calls BS on this whenever we have this discussion. I'm the one that drove you to every one of the stupid things you were involved in and sat there. And she's right, that is true. Maybe it was in comparison to other fathers who weren't as available or as there, who were no less important, I'm sure, doing things than my father was, but he was there. And that's why it's sort of fitting that this is the capstone of the scorecard. Sort of like being able to make up a whole lot of ground on a final exam, right? There's that one thing that either helps all the rest be less important or it helps you do all of those other things better and prove that you're on the right path. So, for the sake of argument, let's say that I'm in a little bit of a midlife crisis right now. And instead of a fancy car, I don't know, I bought into a solar collective somewhere, or something else <laughs> equally crazy... <laughs> Um, as I consider who I want to be next and what I want to be doing, the thing that I keep coming back to is this being there for my family, for my children. Big things as they go through life. Little things like being able to put their initials and cheese on the top of a melting omelet. Or having all of us just in the room together reading, not even to each other, separately, but just being in that room together. These are the things that are attracting me as I think about who and what I want to be next. Being there. Being there. I'm sort of making it my fatherhood mantra. So I only gave myself a C+. I'm not a full and equal presence in our child's lives, but it's where I'm focusing my attention in summer school. Every little bit here is going to go a long way. Just be there. I'm not the other parent. I am a father.
3: Do not have any uh, pithy wise words from Keanu Reeves to stuff like that. I'm sure there's a quote book somewhere out there. <laughs> so there was a commercial running on TV about the time my wife and I were expecting our first child, we have two. And uh, in the commercial, a man is seen peering through a plate glass window, watching a mechanic check over his car, and the man seems anxious. And a voice is heard over the scene, a rich baritone voice full of mystical male wisdom like some aged weather-worn cowboy listing the virtues of preventive auto maintenance, brakes in particular. And the mechanic finishes and slowly lowers the car off the lift, and as the body of the car passes the man's face in the window, The rear passenger seat comes into view, and there in the car is an infant car seat. And there's some tagline about the value of what's riding on those tires, but it's the man's face that really sells it. There's a kind of quiet satisfaction. Not an expression of victory, but a sense that he's done the right thing. His fatherly duty, and all is right with the world. When I saw this commercial sitting there next to my pregnant wife, I thought, I am so getting my bricks checked. I'm going to get them checked every month. There must be some kind of high associated with this kind of thing. You know, Nature's way of ensuring that you're going to do your part. It's like nesting for dads. Because I feel it. You know, it's like candy held out on a piece of string, and I want to jump up and catch it. I feel it. I feel it when I drop off my daughter at school, and I wait until she reaches the top of the stairs and is inside before I drive away. I feel it when I hammer down that loose nail in the doorway to make sure no one scrapes themselves when they're walking by. I feel like when I go to the store to buy juice, and I get the kind with the vegetables mixed in, because even though our kids actually like eating vegetables, it feels good to stink that little bit extra in. (laughs) I feel it when I take the car to the shop, and I ask them to check the brakes. I feel like a father. So there are these moments, and there are some more fun moments too, like wrestling on the living room floor, and going out for ice cream, and reading books before bedtime, and I think, I got this. A father thing. No sweat. And then there are other moments. (laughs) Moments that test the limits of human ingenuity and endurance. (laughs) Moments that hide in seemingly simple everyday things, like trying six, seven, eight, or nine times to get them out of bed and into something relatively clean, or they will go to the bus stop in their pajamas, so help you the high-stake negotiations over that one particular marker that each must absolutely have at that exact same absolute moment or they will both die.
0: <laughs>
3: Knowing that there is nothing you can do to stave off the oncoming tantrum and ear-piercing scream because really, how do you get an imaginary friend to share their imaginary toy?
0: <laughs>
3: I like to say that it handled these situations with kindness and humor all the time, with a gentle voice and a calm, encouraging hand, as all good fathers should. But I can't. I'm not sure I could even say most of the time, 50-50 at best. And it's in these moments when I feel less like a father and more like the worst human being on Earth. I've never hit my children. Though I would be lying if I said I'd never picked them up or sat them down a little more forcefully than I should. I have yelled at them. I have used harsh words with them. I could pass it off as just tough love, as that part of a father's job is to instill discipline and respect. But I don't think I would feel quite so bad about it afterwards if I really believed that was true. It can be especially challenging with our oldest, because with our oldest, we've now added talking to the picture. <laughs> I can remember a time when my wife and I would stare at her when she was just a few months old and, and just wonder what it would be like when she could finally talk. What, what are the amazing things that she would say?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's strange that it didn't occur to us that when you can talk, you can also argue. And she can argue with the best of them, unfortunately, for us, I like to argue too. Nora will tell you that no two people can get into it. can wind each other up as faster than the two of us when we decide to to get into something. They say the traits we often admire the most in adults are the ones we find the most difficult in children, and in that respect. I'm very proud of the way that she can stand up for herself and argue her position. I just wish it weren't over getting dressed in the morning.
0: <laughs>
3: but there is hope for us. I'm going to tell you now about the single hardest thing I have had to do as a father so far. It was a weekend afternoon after a long busy day and Inira and I had one of our worst fights yet. A real screaming, kicking, slamming of doors kind of fight. I can't even recall what it was about, but I'm fairly certain it wasn't nearly as serious as the fight itself. After we had retreated to our respective corners, she in her room and me in the kitchen, I had this realization, and it was like a punch in the stomach, it was that hard to admit. I realized I was wrong. Not about the argument. Maybe I was wrong about the argument. Maybe not. But I was wrong because I was the father. It was my job to step back, take a breath, help us figure it out. And I have failed. And as hard as it was for me to admit that to myself, I knew it would be even harder to admit that to her. To say I was wrong, I failed you, and I'm sorry but I knew it was something I had to do not the next day, not the next week right then and there because if I couldn't do that for her how could I ever expect her to do it for anyone else? To simply say, I'm sorry, I was wrong to ask for forgiveness and to forgive so I did it and I was right it was hard Just this last week, I had another one of those frustrating afternoons when all those little things, again, tested my patience, and yet again I was failing. And Anira was doing her fair share of pushing back and arguing and nagging and alternating between complete defiance and the childhood equivalent of an MBA flop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay, good. (laughs) And I tried my best to keep my mouth out of it to not fan the flames, but I quickly hit my limit. I retreated upstairs to take a break without notifying my wife or getting her consent, by the way. I know I'm working on that too. I lay down the bed and I try to unwind. And then something happened that I didn't quite expect. I heard the quiet sound of someone climbing up the stairs up into our room and walking over to the bed. And without a word, Anira reached down, reached her arms around my neck, kissed my cheek, and said, I'm sorry I made you feel bad. I'm really working on it. And I'll try harder next time. And I said, okay. That was a moment that was eight years in the making. And it was pretty wonderful. When it comes to our children, my greatest hope is also my greatest fear. I look at them and I want to meet the amazing young woman and young man that I know they can be one day. But I fear that I don't have what it takes to get them there. Or worse still, that my mistakes are gonna screw things up. I can do the fatherly things like mount a car seat, spray on sunscreen, pull out splinters, but when it comes to just raising good human beings, I wonder. I guess I've discovered that I don't have to be perfect. And maybe that's part of the job. Maybe we're supposed to make mistakes so that we can show them this is how it goes. This is how we get to where we want to be. And you can trust me because I'm still getting there too. There'll be more hard moments, I'm sure. Moments that don't make the Volkswagen, and the Hallmark commercials <laughs> more kicking and screaming and tears, some of them from the kids. <laughs> but in the end, we'll all be better for it, I hope. We haven't even gotten to big stuff yet, you know, like dating and driving and dating. <laughs> But we'll get there. And I'll be sure to check the brakes. Thank
1: you. I thought those two might have something to say. I just want to say what an honor it is to hear someone's story. Um, What a rare thing, you know, in life to hear someone share their story deeply and with truth, and how it invites us into a kind of connection, whether we have children at home with mermaids and plastic hair and candle lights or not. How it helps us to connect as fellow human beings. I've been thinking about the questions that I offered before Tony and Marty spoke. What resonates for you in their sense of fatherhood? And wondering what that can mean for those of us without a sense, ourselves of fatherhood, or for whom our sense is so removed from their sense. How do we connect? And thinking about just the humanity of it all, the humanity of fatherhood, of parenthood, of being in relationship with people, whether they're small people or big people, you know, the the sense of trying and failing and asking forgiveness. Practicing that with our children helps us to do it with ourselves and with other people. And I'm so appreciative of the way that you've brought that into high relief today. And I've been thinking, too, about fatherhood versus motherhood and both of them versus parenthood. You know, the way that we assign checking the brakes to one gender. Thinking about all the families here at West and across the country that have different kinds of relationships with or without fathers, different kinds of parents. And what it means for us as a community community a community that explores and pushes beyond the boundaries that we usually assign to gender, what it means to us to honor fathers, to honor parents, fathers who nurture and mothers who play, maybe just people. I mentioned earlier to the chorus that, uh, that after Tony and Marty spoke, I planned to unpack fatherhood a little bit. And Bailey Whiteman, our chorus director, said, oh, that's so ethical culture. <laughs> you can't just have fatherhood, you know, on Father's Day, you have to unpack it a little bit. But I think mostly I'm left this morning with an appreciation at the chance to raise these questions, to be in a community where our honoring, our traditions aren't just rehearsals of the regular but a cracking open, a thought-provoking, heart-opening look, and that we can be a place where we offer such fullness of ourselves, as Marty and Tony have done today. And so I, I end just with thanks for bringing the fullness of who you are as a parent and as a person to this place, and gratitude for this community for being the kind of place that receives each of us in our fullness.
0: Thank you.